Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, we start each year with resolutions and high hopes, and now that we've reached the halfway point of 2021, it's time to reboot those life goals by putting some actionable wisdom behind them. Also this morning, first it was real estate, now car prices, both new and used, are at all-time highs. Does that make it a good time or a bad time to sell? In our Throwback Thursday segment this morning, the pandemic has led more students to consider taking time off before continuing their education, but is a gap year before college the right move? And this week's collection of recipes from Kyra's Kitchen comes a day early. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Thursday, July 8, 2021. Not only is today Be a Kid Again Day, which I absolutely love, it is also Math 2.0 Day today. Celebrating, it says, the connection between mathematics and technology. So there you go. Uh, National Freezer Pop Day. Now, that goes hand-in-hand with Be a Kid Again Day. I mean, what is more... What is a, a, a more quintessential part of summer childhood than freezer pops? Enjoy those today. National Ice Cream Sunday Day and National Milk Chocolate with Almonds Day. Not just any milk chocolate, you understand. It's Milk Chocolate with Almonds Day today. So if you have a nut allergy, I'm sorry, you can't participate. So the uh, big story, and if you have uh, followed national uh, headlines, they've got a uh, uh, mayoral race in New York City going on, and it's a little bit different this year. In uh, New York, they're uh, doing, uh, basically, it's a process of elimination uh, thing. Somebody has to get X amount of the vote, and I, I don't know whether it's, is it a majority? I mean, they start with, they started with a bunch of candidates well, I guess it's just the primary. It's not an election. They're in the, the primary um, phase. And they started out with a, a bunch of uh, candidates on the Democratic side anyway. There were like 10 candidates. And gradually there's been a process of elimination until one person gets like a majority of the votes. They do this in some states and some uh, countries and, and so on. So they're doing it in New York City for the first time. Finally, they have a Democratic candidate. Uh, and what I thought was interesting, the story that I uh, caught on the uh, newswire about this, it says one day after ranked choice election results showed that Brooklyn Borough President Eric Adams had pulled out a narrow one point win in the New York City Democratic mayoral primary. The 60 year old uh, Adams took to Twitter yesterday to share video of him getting one of his ears pierced, which at first, when I read this, said I thought th- that sounds like a very odd way of celebrating your election victory, but there is a reason behind it. Mr. Adams, who is now the big favorite to win the mayor's race in November against his Republican challenger in the overwhelmingly Democratic city, explained that he was fulfilling a campaign promise. Uh, on the campaign trail, he said a group of young people met with he and his son, and they asked, how do we know you are not like other politicians who make promises they don't keep? And uh, they said, uh, we will trust you if you promise to pierce your ear when you win the primary. (laughs) 
promise made, promise kept, he tweeted. Already living up to my first promise uh, to that young man who challenged him to get his ear pierced if he won. So there you go. I guess that is uh, going to an extreme length to uh, prove that you are worthy of the vote. Uh, If he wins, Eric Adams, who is a former police uh, captain, incidentally, will be New York City's second black mayor. So, And again, all indications are that he will, in fact, win. He is the Democratic nominee, and it is uh, all but certain that he is uh, going to win the uh, general election in November. But anyway, kind of an interesting there. A couple of other uh, stories uh, among the most interesting, most buzzworthy stories to start off your Thursday morning. Is it hard to believe it's Thursday already? I mean, that's what a uh, short work week, if you had Monday off for the Independence Day holiday, kind of looking around saying, my goodness, it's Thursday already. Anyway, this was a fascinating research study that I saw on the Newswire this morning. It says some dogs are able to learn the names of their toys. And I got to thinking about this and If I tell my dog to go get her ball, because we're going to play fetch, is that go get your ball, then my my dog will get the ball. I mean, of all of the toys that she has strewn about the house, if I say, get your ball, she'll come back with the ball. Uh, If I say, go get one of your toys, she'll come back with who knows what. But if I say ball, if I say that word, she will come back with a ball. And apparently, uh, my dog is not alone. Uh, Some dogs are able to learn the names of their toys, according to a new study. Researchers looked at 40 different breeds of dog and found that certain ones were able to learn the names of their toys uh, after being trained to recognize them. Uh, the, The breed that was best at it, the Border Collie, which is widely believed to be one of the smartest dogs out there, the Border Collie, was actually, it said one of the dogs was in the study, was able to recognize the names of 37 different toys. But the authors of the study note that the ability to learn the names of toys is relatively rare in dogs and only apparent in a number of gifted animals. About 3%, they say, were able to learn the skill from scratch during the study. They also found that both puppies and mature dogs had the ability to learn toy names. The author of the study, Dr. Claudia Fugazza, says, We were surprised to find that despite intensive training, most dogs did not show any evidence of learning the names of their toys. Uh, Earlier this year, it says the same research team found that most gifted dogs can learn new words after hearing them only four times. So interesting. And and I think we all know uh, that there are certain uh, phrases or words that our dogs recognize um, when they're in trouble. I mean, obviously they call, uh, they come when we call their names. Um, dogs recognize their names. Uh, and apparently they recognize, I like I said, I know my dog, if I say, go get your ball, she'll come back with the ball. If I use the word toy, she'll just come back with any old random toy. But anyway, I just thought that was uh, kind of interesting there. Some of them uh, fits into the category of the uh, most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day. Here's more research 
that uh, is rather interesting. University of California researchers polled more than 1,700 adults, and they found that men believe that eating meat makes them feel more manly. (laughs) They found that men, unlike women, uh, more men felt the need to follow the traditional notions of masculinity Uh, the more beef and chicken they tended to eat and the less likely they were to be open to alternative diets, specifically vegetarianism, because it's not perceived to be manly enough. (laughs) The same effect was not seen among women, suggesting that men may eat more meat in order to validate and perform their sense of traditional masculine identity. (laughs) Me eat meat. (laughs) bring me meat speaking of eating and meat um kind of meat this has been a long-standing debate we have actually had this debate on this program in the past is a hot dog a sandwich now you ask that among your group of friends and acquaintances you will spark a an ongoing and very emotional debate. I don't know why, but people have very strong opinions of this. Is a hot dog a sandwich? Now, before you answer, consider this. One butcher shop in New Jersey has flipped the conversation on its head by putting their own creative spin on the summertime American backyard barbecue staple. They have created the flat hot dog now obviously the internet is very divided over the hamburger shaped hot dog uh rastelli's in new jersey unveiled a three ounce flat frankfurter just ahead of the fourth of july and the internet had a field day with this questioning whether they still could be considered hot dogs so normally you have this uh debate over whether a hot dog is a sandwich now they're debating uh, when is a hot dog not a hot dog? Uh, the uh, Let's see here. It says uh, some said this is not a hot dog because it's not uh, shaped like a hot dog, a traditional hot dog. Instead, it looks like sliced bologna. And that's what that's what I said when I, I first saw this story. I was like, well, if you if you have a hot dog that is shaped uh, that is round and flat like a hamburger what you have is baloney. <laughs> I mean, is, isn't that pretty much the same stuff, just in a different shape? But uh, they call them flat hot dogs, and uh, social media u- users continue to have mixed feelings over the circular sausage, uh, saying that the taste of the dog would be compromised, while the more extreme haters continued to condemn the snack to the pits of hell, it says here. As for Instagram's foodie crowd, uh, they want to go. Um, uh, they actually, I thought this was kind of interesting. Those who were uh, in favor of the flat hot dog pointed out that the hot dog patties do allow for an optimal smearing of condiments. And uh, by the way, these sold out uh, in a hurry. The pack of eight. Flat hot dogs sells online for $18. Wow. Uh, And the round 
flat hot dogs are currently sold out. No mention on Rastelli's website as to when or if they will be back in stock. So there you go. The question is not whether a hot dog is a sandwich, but is a hot dog a hot dog if it's not in the shape of a hot dog? Debate amongst yourselves. There you go. Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Thursday morning started. WFIN News. I'm Matt Demchek. WTOL 11 first alert forecast. A good chance of showers and storms today with a high of 81. Showers and storms possible tonight, a low of 64. Ohio's Vaximillion campaign didn't improve Ohio's overall vaccination rate. That's what a study from the Boston University School of Medicine claims, citing data from the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Dr. Alan Walkie, professor of medicine, says the study shows that state-based lotteries are of limited value when it comes to increasing vaccine administration across the country. Governor DeWine's office says the study was flawed. One of the Vaximillion winners is from Findlay. Get more on that on our website. The Ohio State Highway Patrol is reporting a drop in fatal crashes over the 4th of July weekend this year compared to last. The patrol, in fact, says 16 people lost their lives in 15 traffic crashes between Friday, July 2nd and Monday, July 5th. Last year, during that same period, the patrol investigated 25 deaths. That's ONN's Tracy Townsend reporting. Governor DeWine says farmers in 10 more northern Ohio counties will be eligible for financial incentives by using new agriculture practices that improve water quality in Lake Erie. That makes 24 counties now eligible through the state's water quality initiative. Nearly 2,000 farmers apply during the program's first year. Those who sign up are able to receive payouts for using farming practices that limit runoff from fields that feed harmful algae in the lake's western end. The new eligible counties are Seneca, Huron, Erie, Wyandotte, Richland, Shelby, Sandusky, Marion, Ottawa, and Crawford. Dave James, ONN News. Whatever you're looking for, chances are you'll find it at the Finley First Edition Garage Sale Fundraiser. Toys, tools, gardening supplies, lawn chairs, furniture, just about everything. That's senior Abby Powell. The garage sale begins today in the Finley High School cafeteria with an early bird sale in which people can pay five bucks to be among the first to check out the items up for sale. The garage sale couldn't be held last year because of the pandemic, and it's the group's biggest fundraiser of the year and covers a portion of costs related to putting on productions. Get more on our website. And get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. Well, you know how it's pretty standard stuff that at the beginning of a new year, we make these grand resolutions to improve our lives in some way, to be a better person and such. Well, now that we're at the midway point of the year, maybe it's time for a reboot or at least a re-examination of those goals and perhaps attaching some actionable wisdom to them. Bob Boylan is the author of Four Ideas with Actionable Wisdom. And Bob, we'll get to the four specific ideas in the book here in just a moment. But kind of to put all of this into context or a little perspective, uh, talk about what brought you to the point of, of writing this book. I mean, what led you to decide, I'm going to put all of this down in a book, kind of the lessons that brought you to that point? Actually, um, what took place was at the beginning of the COVID session, I was about to publish a book on retirement, which 
I had been working on for a couple of years. And then this idea came into mind because I've been speaking about these four ideas for over 30 years to my workshops that I run for senior management. Mm-hmm. So I thought this is a good time to put them down to answer your question. It's a, it's a timely spot in our lives because all of us globally were affected. Sure. You could not escape. Uh, taking a look at yourself, if you're working, your work life was turned upside down and you had to do it a different way. So these ideas are very easy to understand. No one will dispute them. The trick of the book is to get them to do them. Yeah. Use them. Yeah. So, and and to be clear, this is not just for those uh, in the workplace environment. I mean, so much of this uh, can apply to our, our lives in general in whatever way we want to apply them in our own specific situation. That's good Good insight. If the listeners to your show right now would just answer this question, if someone comes up to you and says, how you doing? Most of you will say uh, one word sentence, busy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And if you talk any if you talk, see, if you talk anymore, you'll say, actually, I feel like I'm in constant whitewater. And if you are in America and you are working, you pretty much have a whitewater life. And my first idea is something called calm water, that I believe you will find yourself to be more productive. If you actually take a a short time, let's say 15 minutes, let's say first thing in the morning, to establish a calm water time where you can think about, now this is important, your entire life, your whole life, not just your business professional life, so that you can start thinking about some things that are important in your entire life. Mm -hmm. And then this is what happens, Chris. This is not new news to anybody, but we forget it. We become what we think about. Right. And I want to put some things in your mind about your whole life, you will, not just your work life that keeps you so busy. And you will balance out and you will never, ever stop doing this. That's habit one. That's the idea number one. Okay. So then from there, where do we go next? The next thing is start utilizing the power of gratitude. And my one-liner is see your life through the lens of gratitude. And so I have some ways for you to actually not just know about the power of a gratitude journal, which most people don't actually write, mm-hmm. but, but how to do that. And within a short period of time, and you'll see all kinds of quotes from famous people you'll know in my book, how you can actually start having get this, more things show up in your life to be grateful for. That will happen to you if you establish a daily gratitude habit. So that's the second uh, principle, the second idea in the book. And then the other two are? Well, one's about making changes, and we all can make changes. I've got an idea. Uh, I've been a trainer consultant most of my life, and everybody in front of me is trying to have me use my skills to help them change something. I'm a paradigm changer. That's what I'm hired for. I help people see things differently so they can do things differently. And I've taken that skill, 
us my God-given gifts of being a seed planter of ideas to creatively encourage and inspire others. I've taken those two skills and put them in my book. And so you will see some ideas in Habit 3 and Habit 4 to start to see things differently so that you can do things differently. And we all have big changes, little changes. We make changes all the time. None of us like it. I don't like it. You don't like it. Babies like change. A wet baby is the only person that likes change. <laughs> but, but the rest of us kind of fight it. We talk a pretty good game, but when it comes right down to it, we'd rather not change much. We'd almost rather put up with what we don't like too much. And that actually changed to me. And that actually kind of leads to the the overall question is that you know again these are not necessarily new ideas they're things that people have no. heard before so how do you make sure that the that the ideas stick this time because as you said we are kind of creatures of habit that tend to resist change even subconsciously well, I've had a 38-year career of teaching executives how to present better, to make them more effective when they stand up to say, we need another $5 million warehouse or whatever. And I, someone would say to me, what do you do? Well, I say, I deliver training that takes, which means they actually change. And if they don't actually change, and your ability to present is a very visible skill set. I mean, You've heard bad ones and gone to sleep in the first 30 seconds because this is going to be a long day. And good ones keep you awake and alive and challenged. So my job, my profession, is to make things take. And these books, I believe, will help them stick. To know the ideas and not use them, you may as well not know them. Yeah. It just clutters up your brain. So... I'm an action-oriented trainer. If I wasn't, I'd be a high-priced, nice guy, and they don't, don't want to keep hiring you. <laughs> That's a good point. Uh, the uh, the book is Four Ideas with Actionable Wisdom, and uh, it, it says here there's uh, you actually have a, a rather unique offer at the end of the book. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, this, going beyond just the pages of the book itself. In the last page of the book, there's a phone number there. And if you call that number, you'll be scheduled for a free Zoom conversation with me on anything you may want to talk about in that book. Hmm. So I, I love connecting with people. And what I tend to do is drop a seed or an idea. And they'll say, well, I really never thought about it that way. So they can have a free conversation if they call that number. The way to find out about all this stuff, uh, Chris, is to go on my website, which is Bob Boylan, B-O-Y-L-A-N, BobBoylan.com, and there'll be a lot of information about these two books, and of course, it'll zip you to Amazon if you want to do that. Again, as we mentioned, we're at the midway point of the year now, and what a year it has been. As you point out, it is uh, unlike any other, so this is the perfect time to sort of reboot or at least re-examine those goals that you had at the outset of the year and attach some actionable wisdom to them. Bob Boylan, the author of Four Ideas with Actionable Wisdom, will have the link up at our webpage. Bob, thanks very much for the time. We appreciate it. Thank you very much, Chris.
Well, you know, when real estate prices went through the roof, I jokingly told my wife, maybe we should sell our house. Problem is, how in the world could we then afford a new one? Well, now we are seeing kind of the same conundrum with our cars, with vehicle prices, both new and used, hitting all-time highs. Mike Amusio is managing editor at KBB.com. We've had him on the program many times before. And, Mike, I have heard that some dealers are now commanding premiums above and beyond MSRP for the vehicles they do have in stock. And on the used side, some owners are finding their vehicles have actually appreciated in value. How common are these scenarios? I mean, is that still kind of the extreme edge of, of the scenario now, or is that becoming more common? That is a very common state right now. And, you know, the big thing is that vehicle supply is down. Uh, you mentioned on the new side, uh, you know, uh, new car production drops during Corona times. A lot of uh, factories shut down. And now we're in a similar state of, um, of uh, new, cl- new car um, supply constraints. But it's in large part because of this big microchip shortage that is affecting the world. So uh, you know, you've got Ford and they uh, can't produce F-150s, which are high profit vehicles, because they can't put microchips in them. And so uh, there's this new, new car supply constraint. And as a result, you've got all sorts of weird uh, dynamics. For example, rental car companies sold off a lot of their fleets last year when supply was very, very low for rental cars. And now they need rental cars for their fleets and they can't get new cars. So they're buying used cars. Hmm. So as a result, we're in a situation where people who want to buy a used car are being confronted by a big jump in prices. In fact, in June, the average um, used car price was 24400 bucks, which is about a 25% jump versus the year before. There's so much demand and there's so little supply. It's an awful time to try and buy a car. You know, it's interesting. Uh, you know, you talk about the various reasons, and that's always the case when uh, unusual things like this happen. There's rarely one thing going on as a combination of things. But given that, is there any end in sight? I mean, is there any kind of indication as to when things may kind of get back to normal? Yeah, you know, uh, we are seeing that used car prices. And they look like they're peak. It doesn't look like it's going to keep going up, 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 up. But the uh, broader dynamics that are, are playing into those increased use prices um, aren't going away anytime soon. This uh, uh, microchip shortage mm-hmm. that's affecting car manufacturing, um, everything I'm seeing says it's going to continue into 2022. Wow. And that is uh, going to be a real challenge. So the big question that people who um, are uh, thinking about selling their current car have to consider is exactly like you stated up front, just like a house. If you need to get into another vehicle when you sell your current vehicle, that's going to be a real challenge. So we're at this branching point. Which way do you go? Do you keep your vehicle or do you sell your vehicle? And from Kelly Bluebook's perspective, we think either way, there are a few things that you might want to consider. So if you're going to sell your vehicle, you want to get the most money for it. So there are some really simple things you can do to maximize the uh, dollar you get for your trade-in. And so uh, simple things, I mean, just make sure that um, you're up to speed with all your maintenance, the oil changes and tune-ups. That's all really inexpensive stuff. In fact, if you keep your car, you still want your your oil changes to be up to date. One thing to consider that people don't think about is alignment. So if you're going to sell your vehicle right now, and you have somebody who's coming over to take a look at it. You want to give it a test drive. The first red flag is if they're driving and the steering wheel is kind of cocked one direction or the other, or it pulls this way or that way. That's a red flag that you don't want to uh, mess up an otherwise good deal. And if you keep your car, you still want your car aligned because that can improve fuel economy. It makes just a better driving experience. The other thing to consider is that if you're selling your car, um, again, it's a great time to do that, but to maximize value, 
do something really simple. Get your car detailed. It's only like 100, 150 bucks. A professional will go through, polish your exterior, clean out the interior. And just like a, your um, you know, a house metaphor, if you walk into a house and it's absolutely filthy, mm-hmm. that makes you question whether or not it's been maintained properly. So uh, again, don't give people who are looking at your vehicle a reason to question whether or not it's been maintained correctly. That is such a good piece of advice. And you know, the other thing, again, to since we're on the uh, real estate analogy here, just like our homes, these small investments can pay big dividends. And then in some cases, so can big investments. I mean, in, in real estate, you update your kitchen, you can increase the value of your home uh, several times over uh, in some cases. So are, are there any are there any things like that that we can do to increase the value of the current vehicle? Or is it more just, you know, like you said, the, the routine maintenance and, and, you know, just giving it a, a good detailing, that kind of thing? Yeah, if there's like a big problem, oftentimes if you trade in the vehicle to a dealership, they can fix that for less money than you would be able to fix okay. it for. So it might not, it might make sense just to, well, it's got this issue, uh, but you guys can deal with it. But there are things that seem like they might be a big deal that are actually not that big of a deal. So things like little dents, if you have like hail damage, um, oftentimes you can get those repaired less expensively than you'd expect via paintless dent repair. In fact, I had a Honda S2000 with a few dings on it. And paintless dent repair is shockingly inexpensive. You know, you can get a little ding repaired for like $75, $100, something along those lines. Um, so it's those little little items that when you walk up to a car that might look like uh, oh, it's a warning sign, and you can attend to those things very inexpensively. But one thing to consider, to your point about price, is that a lot of people don't know how much they should pay for a given repair or uh, certain maintenance. So one of the things that um, uh, is really cool over at KBB.com is that we've got a service and repair guide. So you can put in your vehicle by year, make, model, and uh, you can see about how much you should pay for certain repairs or um, certain um, you know maintenance issues. And then the other thing I really suggest is before you sell your car, check out the recalls. And uh, you can also do that at KBB.com. So when you put in your car, it'll just show here are all the recalls on your car. And making sure that uh, you've taken care of any recall issues is really important. If you keep the car, you want to make sure your car is safe right. and running properly. Yeah. If you're selling your car, the last thing you want is to go through, make a deal, and have the person say, you, you take care of all those recalls, and you don't have a good answer. And, so and take fi- care of those recalls. Yeah, and fixing the recalls is not going to cost you anything. So uh, something to keep exactly. in mind. Exactly. Yeah, something to keep in mind. Any other factors that we should consider when deciding whether right now is the right time to either keep our, or sell our car? Well, the big question is, do you have another car you can drive if you sell your current car? I was talking to a dude earlier. He has 15 cars. I told him, (laughs) hey, sell 14 of those. Uh, This is a great time to do it. (laughs) But uh, if you um, don't have another vehicle, one sort of um, uh, maybe a hot tip uh, suggestion would be uh, sell your car and then maybe consider leasing a car that is uh, a little undesirable. And when I say undesirable, I mean it still fits your needs, but maybe it's not pulling those emotional heartstrings. You know, maybe uh, something that will check the box for a little while. You can lease it. And then when pricing is a little more favorable after your lease is done, then you can buy mm. the vehicle that you so uh, some things to consider when we're navigating this most unusual car market right now. Again, Mike Amusio is managing editor at KBB.com. And uh, you mentioned you've got a lot of tools that can help folks make those decisions at your website, right? 
Yeah, you know, the, um, the biggest thing right now with this weird car market is to avail yourself of the available knowledge. And KBB.com is a great place to know, to learn what your car is currently worth. You know, we get really granular, um, you know, by region and uh, we update our prices frequently. So, uh, you know, if you want to know what your car is worth, head over to KBB.com. And if you're curious what service or maintenance should cost or if there are any recalls on your vehicle that might have gone unattended, uh, KBB.com is here to help. You never want to go into this blind, but especially right now. Uh, Mike Amusio, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. (laughs) Thanks for having me. A reminder, our Big Stuff the Bus school supplies drive is underway as of today. We're over at McDonald's on Tiffin Avenue. If you drive by, you see the big yellow school bus. Say, what's going on? Well, it is our Stuff the Bus campaign. Annual school supplies drive. Make sure that every student gets off to the right start, especially this year as kids are returning to the classroom in the fall. And tomorrow morning, we will be live on location at Mickey D's for the Stuff the Bus campaign. Hope you'll uh, join us for that. Speaking of school, is the topic of uh, today's Throwback Thursday segment. You know, just like everything else, the pandemic complicated the already complex cha- uh, college admission process, and that uh, led more students to consider taking time off before continuing their education. But is that the right move? In July of last year, we spoke with Joy Lin, an independent educational consultant and the founder of Think Prep. Is a college counseling and test prep company, and we asked whether taking a gap year between high school and college is a good idea and how students should be approaching college in these most unusual times. From July of 2020, it is today's Throwback Thursday. So in the past, I've tried to urge certain students that I thought would benefit from a gap year to take one. And I would often get pushback from families because it's so ingrained into American culture to go straight into college after high school. Um, This year, it's a little bit more complicated because, I mean, I always look for the benefit of the student, but a lot of people are considering gap years this year. I think next year, we're really going to see the impact on college, uh, on college on how this year will impact uh, next year's rising class. Uh, that is a uh, certainly a good point. Well, let me ask you this and kind of delve into that a little bit further. What type of student would normally benefit from a gap year? What type of student this year should really be looking at perhaps taking a little time off? So usually colleges will allow students to do a gap year if they have some sort of plan in place. So usually a student who wants to do some sort of enrichment outside of like a formal school setting. So maybe they want to learn a foreign language in a different country, or maybe they really want to work on a service project. Um, Other students just need some time to mature too. Um, Not everybody is ready to hit the ground running in college. So if they're, you know, they still need to work on their organizational skills, they could take a year off. And then there's a third category of students who maybe want to just save up some money and work for a year before they start college. I know a lot of students will uh, look at college and say, you know what, I'm not really sure what I want to do career-wise at this point, and that's why uh, I think maybe I should take some time off. Is that a a fair reason to uh, skip a year? I think that's absolutely a fair reason uh, to skip a year. If you're completely uncertain and really don't don't know what you want to do, it may not make sense. So a couple ways you can do uh, 
approach education that way is if you're really not certain is you can try um, the local community college and take classes. You're still going to need to take your general uh, education requirements anyways. Right. But at the community spending an arm and a leg which is not a bad idea for a lot of students uh, who are concerned over the financial aspect either now how has the application process uh, been altered because of everything that we're uh, that we're going through a lot of colleges are going test optional so how else are you going to set yourself off are you really passionate about math Let's showcase that. Let's use some of your extra time this upcoming fall to like uh, enhance the, your math trajectory. Like, you know, you can uh, work on tutoring some of the local elementary school kids in math. You can work on studying a different type of math in preparation for college. A lot of colleges are going to be looking for the, um, the extra, you know, the, the, the X factor from a lot of these students, specifically at competitive colleges. They want to see how students have taken this downtime and used it to make lemonade out of lemons. Because I think creativity is a lot of things that colleges are looking for too. They want to see that students are still able to be engaged, to still create community, to still be involved even when, you know, the system is kind of like put a stop into a lot of things. There will probably be a number of students who decide to forego the traditional path of of going right from high school into college. And that may lead to an even larger number of applications than normal next year. What do incoming high school seniors need to know for next go around the things that they should be doing right now so that they can stand out from an even bigger crowd you anticipate for next year for students who are looking for really selective colleges i'm going to encourage them to continue doing what they're doing try to stand out in your area of expertise if there's something that you're really passionate about go all in this coming year Um, so it doesn't just have to be inside your school. Is there a way that you can take your love of, I don't know, coding and like help other people learn it? Or can you work on a coding project? Mm -hmm. Or if you really writing, you know, you know, a pandemic is a perfect time to write. Yeah. So again, all of those things that are important every year become even more important, not only for students who are applying for college this coming semester, but for next year as well. Joey Lynn is an independent educational consultant, founder of Think Prep, college counseling and test prep company. You have more advice for students on your website. Visit thinkprep.com. It's T-H-I-N-Q-U-E-P-R-E-P.com. From July of 2020, our conversation with uh, Joey Lynn of uh, Think Prep, the college counseling and test prep company, with advice that is just as relevant a year later on the wisdom of taking a gap year between high school and college and how students today should be approaching college in these most unusual times. You can learn more at our webpage. Go to goodmornings.net. It is our throwback Thursday. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update to the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. Leading off today's broken news, the story of one of the most unusual car chases that I think we've ever had, apparently being pursued by the cops, uh, works up quite the appetite. 
Dateline Worcester, Massachusetts, where a woman who led authorities on a wild pursuit ended up getting caught when she decided to make a pit stop at a McDonald's drive through <laughs> Whole thing went down Wednesday morning when police received a call about a stolen pickup truck. Uh, the first thing that went wrong for this would-be thief was that the truck that she stole was equipped with GPS, which means it didn't take long for police to track down the suspect, who was later identified, by the way, as 38-year-old Joanna Gardell. According to police, they attempted on multiple occasions to pursue Ms. Gardell and the stolen truck, but her erratic driving, which resulted in her striking several vehicles, including a police cruiser and driving on the wrong side of the street and so on, uh, led the pursuit to be called off twice and said, the truck's got GPS, we'll eventually find it. So they just called off uh, the chase because it was getting too dangerous. So that happened twice, and then third time's the charm because <laughs> Ms. Gardell uh, was eventually located at a McDonald's drive through attempting to order some food. <laughs> and that's where police were finally able to arrest her. She is now facing a slew of charges. As a result of the incident, no word on the status of her order. So. <laughs> Man, this, uh, all of this running from the cops, I'm getting hungry. <laughs> Elsewhere in the broken news, one family in California, San Jose specifically, has a lot of unanswered questions after their security cameras at their home caught someone dumping a bag full of dog dew all over their SUV in their driveway. Somebody just came up. They've got video of this. Somebody just came up and dumped a bag of dog dew on their car. The uh, video shows a man park his car, get out, dump the droppings, and then casually drive off. Video has been turned over to San Jose police, but at this time, no arrests have yet been made. The family believes it is a neighbor who often lets his dog relieve itself on their lawn. They say he lashed out at them when they asked him to stop. So maybe this is just his way of getting even. I don't know. That's weird. That is weird. <clears throat> uh, I had a, a thing on my uh, doorbell camera really weird the other day. I woke up a couple of days ago to a notification on my phone that there was someone at my door in the middle of the night. And so I looked at the video and it's just some guy wanders up to the door it was well after we had turned in for the night and he looks around and it looks like he sees the house number on the side uh, of the house next to the door, realizes he's got the wrong place and walks away. Have you ever had one of those? I don't know if you have one of those, you know, like ring doorbells or those video doorbells where just something weird happens in the middle of the night. You would never know if there were not video, but anyway. uh, back to the broken news. Uh, this is kind of weird. Um, but actually understandable uh, once you hear the whole story. Uh, because parents will sometimes do just about anything to get their child to sleep. Uh, and this is something that we used to do with our oldest when he would have trouble sleeping and I just would not uh, go to sleep. Uh, this mom, and uh, this is in New Zealand, actually. Story was posted on TikTok. 
uh, has uh, people cracking up. This mom has people cracking up after she posted online about her attempts to get her two-month-old baby to sleep and how it aroused suspicions and prompted a debate on a local Facebook group. Uh, Katrina, don't have her last name, she lives in New Zealand, uh, shows Facebook posts that are concerned because her neighbors uh, had actually called police because they spotted the same vehicle circling the same street multiple times uh, within a 10-minute period. It looked like it was just casing the neighborhood. Somebody was you know, just driving around over and over in the neighborhood. Some chimed in that uh, maybe was a burglar looking for someplace to rob or something. <laughs> Uh, this happened for several days in a row. Karina uh, reveals in her post that she actually was the culprit. <laughs> she said, it's just me. My two-month-old will only fall asleep in the car. <laughs> we, have to do, we had to do that with our uh, oldest when uh, he was that age. That uh, if all else failed, just put him in his car seat, drive around the block a few times, and he'd finally fall asleep. Never really thought what that probably looked like to our neighbors, but <laughs> that could have ended very badly for that woman had they actually called police. But And finally, in the uh, broken news this morning... This is kind of a novel idea, something that we wouldn't normally talk about in the uh, broken news, it doesn't really fit the, the mold of the typical broken news item. But I thought this was so unusual uh, that I, I couldn't resist. A home security company based in the United Kingdom is advertising its borrow-a-burglar service, which allows homeowners to hire an ex-con who will come to their house to test out how they might be able to gain entry and how secure this person's home is. <laughs> I mean, hey, ask the ex experts, right? The consultation involves the burglar giving tips for what precautions people should take to protect themselves from would-be thieves. One of the burglars who works with the company, 32-year-old Luke Harris, says he used to rob homes for 12 years before deciding to go straight six years ago. He says he knows all the tricks of the trade and has been helping to product test and uh, hold consultations with homeowners, the company looking for more former burglars to work for them and says if they get enough interest, they will be expanding the service. Here's the question. I think it's a, a really novel idea, but here's the question. Would you hire someone you know has a history of home burglary to come and test how secure your house is? I don't know, but apparently some people knew. There you go. That is today's broken news report. This update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. It's the WFIN Virtual Car Show. Get them out, shine them up, and upload a pic of your classic, and we'll post it to WFIN.com for everybody to see. In addition, we'll have an online car show calendar so that you know when and where all the area shows are. It's chrome and horsepower on display online. The WFIN Virtual Car Show and Calendar. Thanks to Details Auto Spa, Loritz Chevrolet Cadillac, and 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. 
Time now for your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. Hopefully we have passed the worst of the pandemic. Hopefully we are emerging now from this and we can put it in the rearview mirror. And given where we are now, it's kind of interesting. A new survey finds that people are feeling pretty good about their lives overall Gallup's latest Life Evaluation Index. How dramatic does that sound? The Life Evaluation Index. (laughs) New poll finds that 59.2% of Americans say that they are thriving in their lives today. That is a record high since Gallup began publishing this index back in 2008. Numbers have never been higher. The change from one year ago... After the pandemic had taken hold in the U.S., when they uh, asked the same question, they found 46.4% of Americans considered themselves to be thriving, which tied a record low. So in just one year, we've gone from a record low life evaluation index to a record high. If survey takers rate their current life situation a 7 or higher on a 1 to 10 scale, this is how they do the survey. They ask, you know, rate how well you are thriving in life. They get 0 to 10 scale. And if they rate a 7 or higher and their anticipated life in five years, that's the other part. They ask, how are you doing now? How do you anticipate doing five years from now? both on a scale of 0 to 10. If it's 7 or higher now and an 8 or higher 5 years from now, they are considered to be thriving, according to the survey. So, record high in 2021 after a record low in 2020. Which is interesting, but in all honesty, probably not all that surprising, is it, when you really think about it? Now, I know what you're thinking when you hear that music. What, it's Friday already? (laughs) No, it is not Friday. Uh, Normally, my wife Kyra has joined us in the uh, studio. Time for more recipes uh, from Kyra's Kitchen a day early this week. Uh, Normally, of course, uh, we do this on Friday to finish up the week. Sort of the grand finale uh, of the week. But this week, tomorrow, we're going to be out at McDonald's for our annual Stuff the Bus school supplies drive. We'll have so many other things going on and uh, things to do. I'm not allowed to be there. Well, no, I didn't say that. (laughs) You're certainly more than welcome to be there. Um, But we have so many other things going on and so many other things to do that are tied to that that we're uh, probably not going to have a chance to uh, get to the recipes. So we figured rather than skip it, we don't want to do that. No. Don't want to disappoint your your fans. (laughs) Uh, We would uh, do the uh, recipes a day early. So it is time... To finish up the morning with another collection of recipes from Kyra's Kitchen. And once again, my wife, Kyra. Thanks Good morning. For, thanks for uh, for dropping in. So uh, we've got a couple of uh, really uh, couple of really good recipes. Well, they're always really good recipes. Um, well, thank you. One in particular, though, the uh, dessert recipe is, uh, is a request. And we've said, yes. if you have a request, if there's something that you would like us to feature... I've always looked for a great recipe for whatever. Um, 
you can always make that re- uh, that request. Let my wife know. You can uh, email us. If you see her on the street, you can stop her on the street, as many <laughs> people do. That's what happened here. That's what happened. I'm, <laughs> I'm, kid- I'm not kidding you. And uh, Or you can uh, email us, uh, goodmornings at WFIN.com, and do it that way. Or if you have a, a recipe to share, uh, yes. that would be fine, too, uh, because Kyra's always looking for new recipes. But today... Uh, we have a request, and we'll get to uh, that here. But first, you have a recipe for lasagna roll-ups. Yes. So <laughs> an easy, kind of an easier spin on lasagna. Um, not to be confused with fruit roll-ups. That's not, that's not these. No. But kind of the same concept, I sort guess, of, in a yeah. sense. It's a roll-up. Anyway, yeah. so, so 10 lasagna noodles cooked. Um, a half a pound of ground beef, a half a pound of ground sausage, 24 ounces of spaghetti sauce, a quarter cup of sweet onion diced, a tablespoon of minced garlic, uh, half a teaspoon of salt, one teaspoon black pepper, uh, half or a quarter teaspoon Italian seasoning, uh, 16 ounces of cottage cheese, a large egg, a quarter cup of shredded Parmesan cheese, two cups of shredded mozzarella cheese, and a teaspoon of dried parsley. And a partridge in a pear tree. <laughs> yeah. um, now, I'm going to stop you here. Of all of those uh, ingredients, that's pretty much exactly the same list of ingredients for a regular lasagna, right? Pretty much. Okay, so, yeah. so basically, we tell you to start with the same ingredients list as you would for any lasagna. So, because some people make lasagna differently than others. Okay. Well, I mean, some people, I've, I've had lasagna people put mushrooms in it. They put, oh. you know, all kinds oh, of other yeah. things in it. And so I guess you could you do can, that if you wanted to. So you start with whatever uh, recipe for lasagna. That you like. Yes. Only you cook the lasagna noodles because you mm-hmm. have the lasagna noodles are, are cooked. And then from there, you do it this way instead, basically. Yeah. Okay. So what are the directions then? So preheat the oven to 350 degrees in a large skillet over medium-high heat. Uh, Cook your ground beef and your sausage until no longer pink. Uh, Breaking apart with a spatula, so you're making ground beef. Right. Um, Add onions and cook until transparent. Add your salt and pepper, pepper, your Italian seasoning, and your garlic. Mix all that well. Let that saute for about a minute. Then pour in your spaghetti sauce and bring to a simmer and cook for about five minutes. And then you can set that aside and and let Mm -hmm. it cool a little bit. Okay. Because it'll be easier to handle. Okay. So then in a large pot, um, add your water and uh, half a teaspoon of salt and bring to a boil. Place your lasagna noodles in a pot and cook for about 10 to 12 minutes. Um, then drain your noodles and put them back in the pot and cover them with cold water, and that stops the cooking process. Right, right. Um, so then in a large bowl, mix together your cottage cheese, your egg, your Parmesan cheese, your mozzarella cheese, and parsley to a, into a large bowl. Uh, spread a little bit of the meat sauce on the bottom of an 8 by 8 baking dish. Um, lay out your cooked lasagna noodles evenly, spread some cheese mixture over each noodle, then add about a spoonful, a large spoonful of your um, meat mixture on top of that, spread that, 
and then uh, roll up your noodles. So people kind of get an idea yep. of what this is going to going to look like yep. and how this is going. Yep. And I guess uh, the reason why you want to stop the uh, cooking on those noodles, you want to stop a little before it's done right. just so you're able to roll them. You right. want to get them soft enough that they can be rolled, but not completely done because you're going to put them back in the... Uh, Correct. Uh, yep. You're going to cook them for a little yeah. while longer. So, so then... Um, uh, Take each of those and place them in and your eight by eight eight by inch, uh, eight by eight inch. inch um, <laughs> Easy for you to say. Yes, um, <laughs> a baking dish with the seam down, so seam then, side down. Yeah. Okay. So then it doesn't. Um, uh, so then it doesn't come unrolled. Gotcha. So and then um, cover your wools with the remaining of your meat sauce. Sprinkle with some more mozzarella cheese and bake for about forty-five minutes, and then let it rest for mm. about five minutes before serving. Good stuff for the lasagna roll-ups. It's actually a lot easier than what we make it out to be. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about it here. To go along with this, uh, you have a cucumber salad, and uh, you actually made this for Fourth uh, of July. Yes. Yeah. Good yep. stuff. Yep. So you take two English um, cucumbers. You can use regular cucumbers if you want. The English I ones like are a English. little. They're skinnier. a little bit smaller, and yeah. they're they don't have all the seeds in them. Gotcha. Um, so um, a quarter cup of purple onion, a quarter cup of olive oil, uh, half a cup of apple cider vinegar. A quarter teaspoon of mustard seed, a quarter teaspoon of poppy seed, quarter teaspoon of ground clove, one teaspoon of dried basil, a quarter teaspoon of dried dill, uh, one tablespoon of brown sugar, a quarter cup of of regular sugar, white sugar, and then your salt and pepper for taste. Mm -hmm. So slice up your cucumbers, chop up your onions, and place them in a medium bowl, and then in the small bowl... Uh, combine the your remaining green ingredients and then pour that over top of your cucumbers and onions. Combine, refrigerate for three to four hours, and then it's ready to serve. Bingo. Just as simple as that. And then real quickly, we get to, before we run out of time here, the uh, dessert. And this is the uh, one that we had a request for. Yes. Uh, a request for a uh, good and simple bread pudding. Yes. Yes. So this is six slices of stale French bread. If you don't have French bread, you can pretty much use any type of bread. Uh, and two tablespoons of butter. Four beaten eggs, two cups of milk, three fourths cup of white pudding or white white sugar, <laughs> white sugar, one teaspoon of vanilla extract, and one teaspoon of ground cinnamon. So preheat your oven to three hundred fifty degrees. Spray an eight by eight, eight by eight inch baking dish with your cooking spray. Uh, slice your bread into one inch cubes. Place in a pre prepared baking dish. Then melt your butter and drizzle over the bread pieces. Uh, Then in a bowl, mix your remaining ingredients, pour this mixture over the bread, making sure it is evenly coated over each piece. Uh, Bake for about 45 minutes or until the top of the bread pudding uh, springs back um, after lightly touching it with a fork, Mm -hmm. or if you want to use your finger, you can do that too. Um, Sprinkle with some cinnamon sugar and serve with ice cream, which is optional. But really, really yummy. Yes, really good. (laughs) So that is uh, a lot easier than maybe what people make it out to be, the uh, bread pudding. Yeah. Yeah. A lot easier. Yeah. Good, good stuff there for you this week. The lasagna roll-ups, the cucumber salad, and the bread pudding recipes. You go to the WFIN Facebook page, and those recipes are posted right now. 
And you can check all of those out. Again, if you have a recipe you'd like to share or if you have a request for one, shoot us an email. And uh, who knows, may feature that uh, sometime uh, later in the week. My wife, Kyra, with her recipes from Kyra's Kitchen a day early this week. Kai, thanks very much. You're welcome. And that will finish up our podcast for today. I want to thank all of our guests for joining us on the program, of course. Remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage, goodmornings.net. As we mentioned, tomorrow we're going to be on location at McDonald's on Tiffin Avenue as we stuff the bus with school supplies to make sure every student gets the right start as they return to the classroom in the fall. We'll talk about that return to normalcy. Until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you tomorrow from Mickey D's.